Okay then, so welcome to the Bases podcast, uh, obviously the paediatric special interest group and I'm your host today Ash Cox and I'm joined by Tim Tackin from uh, all the way from the Netherlands, so good morning Tim, you okay? Yeah, good morning Ash. Good, so Tim is, um, is like I just said, based over in the Netherlands um, and has a special interest in clinical paediatric uh, exercise physiology um, I asked him to send across a paper um, of interest or a project that he's worked on, um, and we'll go more in depth on that in a second. But if you'd just like to introduce yourself first, Tim, and just let know everyone know who you are and, and what your research interests are. Yeah, well, um, I started here uh, in the Children's Hospital 20 years ago as a PhD student. And after four years, I finished my uh, PhD, and I was in the field also of uh, exercise training in children with arthritis. I stayed in the hospital to also do some teaching work and uh, for the uh, physiotherapy master's program we have here in the uh, university and also do a lot of uh, uh, clinical work. So uh, I think uh, that really shaped uh, me because I saw children with all kinds of rare uh, diseases which we uh, uh, tested on the bike and to look where uh, their uh, exercise intolerance came comes from. And uh, in the time being here, I learned a lot of really many uh, uh, different diseases. And um, I think that is really uh, 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 fun for me. And also to uh, use a knowledge which uh, I gained in one uh, group of patients that I, uh, and so I'm able to uh, also to use that in, in, in other groups. Yeah, no, it's important. I mean, it's... yeah, so over the, the, the 20 years, I gained a lot of experience that yeah, you, you, you cannot, yeah, you, you, you cannot become that, that knowledge just from, from books or just from reading articles. No, no, certainly not, no. And that's why I think it's important, obviously, we, we put this podcast together because there's certain, um, certainly when it comes to paediatric exercise physiology, and that's without addressing chronic conditions, that it's so um, it's so complex that you're not going to get everything from just reading the book or reading the article. Um, I mean, just, just going into the paper that you conducted, so could you give us a bit of a brief introduction into that? So. Yeah, well, the, the the paper we already wrote a couple of years ago, and it was a, a kind of review uh, over uh, a 10-year period of, of research and care that we uh, performed. Uh, as I said before, I, I started here like 20 years ago, and um, yeah, during that period, I did a lot of uh, different studies in different patient groups. And uh, the, the, the paper kind of summarizes uh, uh, 10 years of work. So 10 years of work is, is, is condensed in, what is it, uh, uh, t- 10 pages. <laughs> nice work, nice work. Um, I think the connection is a little bit bad at the moment. Oh, I can't. No, no. And now it just becomes better. I see you move. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There we go. Is that better? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So, I was just saying. So the the paper itself looked at obviously different sort of disease areas, um, and a lot of it was assessed using sort of maximal. Well, not maximal oxygen uptake. That's what we're trying to avoid. And we were looking at more of the. Uh, VO2 peak in children and adolescents. Can you just explain why VO2 peak is a is a better measure of of aerobic fitness than VO2 max? Well, there, I, you know, there's a whole lot of debate about VO2 peak, VO2 max, and mm. people are discussing that for 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 for, for days or weeks, and uh, they don't agree at the at the end. Uh, I'm really kind of really a practical guy, and I I think. Um, fear to peak or the, the highest value that you hey, can, can measure in a, in a subject that is the most uh, important. Yeah. And uh, it shows what somebody can do at that moment and uh, whether it is not really cardiovascular maximal. I've seen patients who have, who have really a quick fatigue of their legs. So 
it, the, the heart and the lungs are not taxed maximally, but it is their true maximum. And if yeah. you test them uh, uh, a, a week later, often they have exactly the same exercise tolerance. So it is repeatable. And that is what they, they can do at that, uh, at, at that moment. So and that, that is, for me, important also to explain why they are unable to do uh, the same exercise as their peers. That's why they cannot, they cannot keep up with the, the, the pace during the PE uh, lesson or during uh, sports after school. Yeah. So, so I don't like the entire debate, uh, whether it's max or peak. That is what somebody uh, can and what he shows at that moment. And I try and it gives me uh, some data to explain why they are coming with exercise intolerance complaints. Yeah, that's good. And I guess like with with everything kind of science based, it's getting that consistency as well across the board. So, I mean, from my side of things, if if someone's measuring VO2 peak, then that's how it should be stuck with, you know, throughout the protocol. Because a lot of your work is quite longitudinal as well. Is that right? Yeah, I've 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 done many tests also in the same same children who I see like annually or, or biannually, and uh, I, I I think uh, if you do the the, the test uh, if you if you perform it in in, in a good way. The, the, the results are really consistent yeah. and uh, uh, inexperienced uh, uh, labs there you see many uh, fluctuations in, in results and uh, that is that is I think is sometimes a, a, a problem in uh, yeah, when you work in a clinic if you see like cardiac physiologist that is in the, it's my experience in the Netherlands they often say to patients oh you can stop. I've seen enough. You reach like 85% of your predicted maximal heart rate. It's enough. Hey, this is uh, 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 this is your max. Well, that is kind of uh, 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 untrue. Hey, because if you look at, uh, at, at heart rate in adults, but also in children, the, the, the normal range is so broad. You should yeah. really push somebody to his own limit. And that is important. Yeah. Yeah, and obviously with all this as well, I mean, we're talking a lot about the physiological responses, but there's a, a very subjective element to this as well, where some people can just push themselves beyond what we think is physiologically possible as well. So it, I guess it allows us to to push that a little bit further as well. Yeah, that, that is, I think, a really important uh, uh, point that you address. And what I see that there's uh, many children are not experienced to to to, to give a, a maximal or a near maximal effort. Yeah. yeah all the children are, uh, are are sitting behind screens, do not do any exercise. And I've had the children they were uh, 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 during puberty, so they were 14 or 15 years of age. And they said, "Oh, Mr. Tim, I now I start to sweat." I think, and in 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 a kind of panic way, you know. I think, hey, what did you do? It didn't. You never did some sports. Your parents never took you out for 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 for, for something. What is uh, <laughs> what is exhausting? Uh, you you never did any sports or physical education. That you st start sweating, and now uh, at the age of fifteen, you 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 sweat for the first time in Tim's exercise lab. That that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> but there are a it's... lot of children who, who come in. The same for uh, uh, breathlessness. Yeah, now I start to to, to ventilate. Yes, of course, if you do heavy exercise, your ventilation goes up. That's normal physiology. Yeah. And same with heart rate. Yes, now I feel my heartbeat, Mr. Tim. Of course you feel your heart rate because you're pushing yourself to your, your maximal limit. <laughs> it's just bizarre, isn't it, how... I mean, I, I I did some research yesterday, so some of my data collection from a PhD, um, and a kid at the end just lay on the floor and was like, "Oh, it's beating! I feel like it's going to come out with chest." I'm like, "Yeah, that's that's exercise. Welcome to uh, welcome to the world of physical activity." Yeah, just not used to to feeling it. Uh huh. And yeah, I think that will be kind of problematic also in the future if we have people, young people who never had the experience of doing heavy exercise. How can we ever expect them to do that when, when they're an adult? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And I think that segues nicely onto the, onto the paper as well that you provided. So we've, we've spoke there about um, just in general in, in pediatrics so, and, and adolescent populations that 
they can't really push themselves to their maximal capacity. When it comes to chronic conditions, obviously they they come with more sort of problems of achieving activity. So they are more susceptible to hypoactivity. So reduction in just habitual and sort of programmed physical activity on a daily basis. And obviously that has a, a knock-on effect on their functional ability as well. How do you see that presenting itself for people who have chronic conditions? Yeah, I think you, uh, uh, it is a, like a bit of a, a, a black and white. We have kind of two groups. We have children who have uh, uh, who have to give maximal effort just during activities of daily living. I've seen yeah. children with a heart rate of about uh, 210 when they were just doing a six-minute walk test. And a six-minute walk test should be like a sub-maximal exercise test. But yeah. somebody who walks with a heart rate of 210, well, I cannot say that they are performing at a sub-maximal level. Yeah. So these are like children with more like uh, neurological uh, conditions like spina bifida of cerebral palsy. Uh, the, 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 the strain of these uh, daily activities is really high. So they are really used to uh, 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 do uh, uh, activities on a, on a really high percentage of their mm. own maximum. But on the other end, we also have children who are kind of protected all day. Uh, uh, and I see that also in our population of children with uh, heart disease. Yeah. Once a teacher or a PE teacher or or, or, or the trainer knows hey, that per, hey, that child has a, a, a heart condition, everybody thinks, oh, we have to slow them down. Don't have them hey, to, to get them out of breath. <laughs> Don't have the heart rate really high. If they have to do something, hey, some, some real exercise, they say, well, sit on the bench and count some laps of others. It's uh, <laughs> kind of way. And I think, come on, these kids should be stimulated to do, to do also high-intensity exercise because it's really important for them. Yeah. And, 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 and we as researchers, we, we are uh, uh, doing uh, all kinds of studies that showing that high-intensity uh, training is really important. And that is really, uh, I think, the, the, the best for, 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 your, for your cardiovascular system. Now, the other end, the people out there in, uh, in, in the field are, uh, are, are are subscribing inactivity to to, 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 to these children. So there is a, a really big uh, a gap that we should close. Yeah, but even from a clinical sort of standpoint as well, from a clinical perspective, you, you can you can almost slow down the rate of progression of some of these diseases as well by participating in, in physical activity. Yeah, it is like shown for uh, children with, with, with cystic uh, fibrosis that their lung function stays better over time when they do a lot of exercise. And here in this center, we are really emphasizing the importance of physical activity. And most of the children are uh, um, uh, participating in sports. But in the Netherlands, you can say, well, I sit on football. Yeah. That, that you participate that means you participate in football but actually they s often sit on football because also there oh you have a chronic condition well you can sit on the bench and and, when, and also there when it's becoming strenuous they say well slow down sit down yeah and that is that's again not the way we should uh, uh, treat these uh, children they should no, also be pushed to the limits yeah, yeah, and even for, for their mental health, that's that's going to pay off as well long term. Um, it's not nice to be sidelined at all. So, yeah, this good. Should, this shouldn't be sidelined. No, not at all. No. So, as as I look through your paper, and what I'll do is I'll link to this paper as well on on Twitter, um, just so people can follow this through. I guess as they're listening to the podcast. So, the the first kind of point that that comes up is juvenile idiopathic arthritis. Um, sounds very complicated, Tim. So, could you give people a bit of an overview of what that is in, and what your paper discusses? Yeah, well, if you look at uh, juvenile arthritis, everybody thinks, well, arthritis is something for old people. Mm. But also in uh, uh, children, uh, uh, they can, can get uh, arthritis. So, they have inflamed and painful joints in their knee, ankle, hands, uh, elbow, or whatever. And um, when we when we started, uh, 
when I started my PhD. Then at that time, everybody was also well uh, bed rest and people children were in the hospital for weeks and weeks when they uh, had inflamed joints. And yeah. we first started with, uh, with, with, with medication like paracetamol and so to, to just to get rid of the pain. And uh, nowadays, the, uh, and, and that kind of happened also at the, at the end of my uh, PhD. Newer medications uh, came in, the biologicals, and it changed, I think, the, the entire treatment of these uh, children. Instead of children who are who are kind of uh, disabled with um, a lot of joint uh, uh, damage, we had children who could participate in everything because they got those uh, biologicals. And nowadays, uh, we, we don't see any or not that many children with, with, with disability because of uh, a joint damage. Yeah. But on the other hand, we did some uh, as, as studies also in these children who are on uh, biologicals and still they have a kind of poor uh, um, uh, physical fitness. Their VO2 max is still lower mm. than uh, what we uh, expect, and kind of the same as, as, as we had in the past in these children with uh, hey, who, who, who didn't get these uh, biologicals. So there is still a lot uh, to do, and I think there, there might be still some uh, uh, systemic inflammation which is damaging uh, uh, muscle function. Yeah. So I still think there is uh, also a big role for uh, physical therapy, a physical exercise in uh, children with, uh, with with arthritis. Yeah. And 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 uh, when we started, we were really on the safe side, and we did uh, like pool exercises because it was warm, and in a warm environment, mm -hmm. uh, your uh, inflamed joints uh, perform better. Uh, and uh, it, it was kind of a, a light to moderate uh, intensity uh, exercise and uh, uh, at that time a lot of bed rest and now you see in, I think in the last uh, a, a couple of years more uh, a, a, a intensive and more weight bearing uh, uh, exercise interventions because we stay on the safe side and now hey, once the field is progressing hey, you yeah. are uh, yeah, looking for, for other ways to improve uh, fitness and light to moderate uh, intensity activities in the pool are maybe not the best way uh, to improve fitness yeah yeah, I also think you highlight nicely. You've got, um, and again, I'll put a link up to this, but you've got some nice tables in there that give you the recommendations and contraindications for working in paediatrics of each of these disease groups as well. Um, and I noticed within the, the recommendations for the arthritic sort of disease um, disease group, if you like, um, it, it's important to highlight that there is a muscle and bone strengthening exercise or element to that, um, which often, certainly when it comes to, to arthritis, people don't want to load them in fear of hurting them, certainly in adult populations. What's your thoughts with sort of the anaerobic and muscle and bone strengthening exercise with uh, arthritic population groups? Yeah, well, uh, I, when we, again, when we started, we were really on the safe side, and that's mm. why we choose to test them also on on a bike and not on the treadmill. And I've seen others later on who just put uh, these children on the on the treadmill, let them run, and that went all fine without the uh, uh, early uh, termination of the test because of pain of knees or or, yeah. or ankles. So. Um, I think uh, strengthening of uh, 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 of muscles and, and and bones is a good idea. We have also there's also an idea in, in children with hemophilia to do that because if you're strong muscles, it also kind of protective for uh, for the uh, uh, for your joints. And because uh, muscles will 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 take uh, high uh, high shocks for, for for example. So I think. Uh, that uh, muscle strengthening is also uh, a, a good idea to, to do in, in, in children with, with arthritis, but also in other diseases. Yeah, yeah, sure. And there's some common sort of themes as well throughout all of these disease areas that we cover. Um, and always physical activity is in there, 
um, all the time, both habitual and organised physical activity, um, which I think is key. And it goes back to what we were saying before about we shouldn't sideline these individuals and, like you said, have them counting laps or just counting goals. Uh, mm. And they should certainly be a, a part of of the physical activity that's that's being run just for the general population as well. Just yeah, the next yeah. consideration, I guess. But now eh, we have new uh, uh, physical activity guidelines so for uh, the general population in the Netherlands yeah. that came out the last year. And also there it stated that eh, children should do uh, eh, three times per week bone and muscle strengthening activities. And yeah. I think uh, we focused a lot only a moderate to figure vigorous activity but also um strengthening of bones and muscles is really important and especially in a diseased population where we see that they have like a, a, a shift in body composition more fat less muscle yeah. uh, 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 strengthening of these muscles is really a good uh, idea yeah and as well i think i mean slightly off on a tangent here but sometimes it, people overlook that you can also elicit a moderate to vigorous physical activity response whether looking at heart rate or whether whatever the indicator is that we're using but we can also elicit that response when conducting muscle and bone strengthening exercise anyway um and the, you know they shouldn't be always looked at in isolation because the intensity can still be there with the with the muscle and bone work yeah, but not cardiovascular, more, more yeah. at the muscle level. And that is where a lot of children uh, have to stop their aerobic exercise because they lack the muscle strength. Yeah, that's a good and, point. And we should not forget that if you have like strong, uh, uh, strong muscles, it helps you to perform a high-intensity aerobic exercise because hey, the muscle works as a pump. So if you have strong muscles, hey, your, your muscle pump uh, uh, performs better and more blood flows back to the heart and you'll get a better cardiac filling and with that a higher cardiac stroke volume and that enhances the oxygen carrying capacity of, uh, of your circulation. Yeah. So these two are really related. Yeah, yeah. No, it's good, it's good to, make, to make those links which are often, often overlooked, I think. Yeah. Um, I mean, moving moving down the the, the next area, uh, osteogenesis. Wait a minute. Uh, are you there? I hear you something asking about osteogenesis imperfecta, and then the, I didn't hear any sound. Errors, we got it. Yeah, I think you're back. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. So, looking at the osteogenesis, and for those listening, by the way, Tim is in the Netherlands, hence maybe the delay in on the Skype call. Um, so yeah, so we're going to move on to osteogenesis imperfecta now. Um, just for those of who aren't aware of what this disease area is, could you just give it a, a brief overview of what it is? Yeah, it's a kind of the, the brittle bone disease. So yeah. the bones are not well uh, developed in these uh, children. So they have a really high chance of getting uh, fractures. So they really have to be careful for, 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 for falling incidents, etc. And like also like a rotational torque on, uh, on, 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 on the bones. They can have a really, uh, they can have a, a really quickly a fracture of their uh, bones. Yeah. How are yeah. these managed in terms of physical activity then? Yeah, um, you know, nowadays they get a lot of uh, a lot of children because they get biphosphonates just to 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 increase the bone density. Yeah, but they are really careful uh, still not 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 to break uh, anything. No contact sports, etc. Yeah, because it it does. It, with with having this uh, this disease, uh, am I right in under, understanding that the the VO two peak is also decreased as as a as as part of having this disease? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we, we found it, and I think in that condition might be a, a deconditioning and 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 in in one one hand, but I yeah. think also some some cardiovascular problems because uh, their uh, vascular function might not be really optimal. Yeah, yeah. It must be a hard population group to work with, I imagine. I mean, the fear of, of fracture and contact sports. Yeah, yeah. 
And the, the fun is we uh, we are kind of uh, a national uh, osteogenesis imperfecta center in uh, in Utrecht, and that helped us to to do the studies. And at that time, we had a, a colleague here, Raoul Engelbert, who's now a professor at the University of uh, Amsterdam. And he did a lot of research in the, in, in, the, in this group, and he al almost knew every patient personally. Yeah. So um, it is a really a, a, a small group, but we were able to get almost all children with that condition in our uh, uh, trial. And uh, I've had uh, colleagues from, from elsewhere and they said, how did you get like 30 uh, uh, patients with osteogenesis imperfecta in a, in a randomized trial? I said, yeah, we just asked them and they all uh, wanted to participate. Yeah. And uh, also because they never did any, t any activities and they really liked to, to in increase their uh, fitness level. And they thought, well, this might be a very good start for me. Uh, to, uh, yeah, to 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 do uh, sports and exercise uh, activities. Yeah, yeah, it's good. And I mean, I, I guess this area is is one that's developing as well. And there's plenty of research to do in this area. Is that right? Yeah. Well, there is still a lot, yeah. uh, a, a, a lot to do. And we did some pilot work also in uh, these uh, this this group of children uh, who were uh, and also young adults who, who were uh, sitting in a wheelchair. And there, it's even more challenging for them to to be active. And yeah. uh, uh, well, we, we did some fitness testing in them and looked if uh, field tests also worked in this uh, population. If you can just with a simple field test can measure their fitness levels, and that is possible, by the way. So that's yeah. good uh, news. That's good. Okay, so moving on to achondroplasia. Mm -hmm. So. Again, this is probably, I mean, this is the first time I'd come across this myself when I read over your paper. Um, could you explain to the listeners what, what this disease area is? Yeah, um, there are, are persons who are really small, like uh, just to say they are dwarfs. Yeah. And uh, so if you look at their uh, the, the, the body composition, they have really small legs, quite large uh, uh, thorax and a big head. Mm. And um, from a physiological perspective, this is really interesting because hey, we are all, are all interested in allometric scaling and how to scale for this or that. Yeah. And uh, these patients are are, are really uh, well, uh, uh, challenging everything. And also, how, uh, how, how do you scale for, 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 for uh, now, uh, lean body mass or yeah. leg size or whatever? Um, it, it, it's really uh, a, a, a really good model to just to, to, to think about the, the, the things we are doing and uh, uh, also as, as a physiologist. Because, I mean, when I was reading over the paper, they, they actually show a, a higher aerobic capacity, don't they, when compared to height matched reference values? Is that, is that right? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, what? How 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 does that occur? What's what's the mechanisms behind that? No, you'd expect well, the opposite, it, wouldn't you? No, well, if you look at their legs, they usually have short mm. legs, but uh, uh, often you see they have like kind of ticks or tick or, or, or muscular legs. So yeah. when they grow and develop, I think that the muscle also grows, but not in length, but more uh, in the, the, the thickness. So. They they do have uh, some uh, uh, I think a lot of muscle mass in these short legs, uh, but again it, it 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 is really difficult also to to compare with with uh, healthy persons because of these differences in 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 their body size and composition. Yeah. Yeah. But it was really nice working with these uh, patients, and I still have some some research ideas to to to, to continue, and there are also. Uh, uh, studies that, 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 that indicate they have uh, some cardiac problems in long term. Uh, yeah. There's also things I would, would like to, 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 to measure in adults with achondroplasia, but there are all kind of thoughts that I still have. Yeah. Well, if anyone's listening, you need to join up with Tim and get in yeah, touch. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, it's, it's sticking, sticking with this disease area. 
they they tend to go on and be, become obese, don't they? Is that that seems to be the general consensus when you read around? Because I read a bit more into it after seeing it in your paper. How do you manage the the, the development of obesity as they go into adult life and beyond? Yeah, well, I think we, we have more um, uh, more interest in gaining interest in all these uh, well childhood diseases. How the mm. How the patients are doing now at a, in a, at a at adult age, and in the in the past, uh, also our hospital was only focused on children, adolescents up to the age of eighteen, yeah. and now we, we we move away from that. And in the past, we when you were eighteen, you were not well, you was not welcome anymore in the hospital. You were just thrown out to the adult hospital uh, at the other side of the road. And now we think, well, we should manage them and look how they do also yeah. in, uh, in, in adulthood, also to, to improve the care we, we give in the children's hospital. And uh, that is really important that we make a switch and make the connection between pediatric and adult uh, care yeah. of these uh, con- congenital diseases. Yeah, sure. Great. Okay. So the, the next point on the paper is uh, hemophilia. Um, yeah. So again, just if you could just give it a disease sort of overview, if you like, and obviously how that affects and presents in pediatrics. Yeah, the hemophilia. Well, we see that only in boys. It's a genetic disorder, and it is a bleeding disorder. So uh, they are missing some factors in their blood, and um, by that, they, they the bleeds don't stop or stop really poorly. Mm. So. Um, People are also hey, really careful for doing contact sports, getting bleeds uh, uh, and blue spots because uh, uh, the, the, the bleeding stops really difficultly. Yeah. Uh, well, we, we see really a lot of uh, uh, differences between the past and now because uh, we have good um, medications uh, nowadays have for uh, good factors that uh, uh, replace your own uh, bleeding factors. So uh, you can just lead a kind of normal uh, life. That's what we do in the, the Netherlands. So we gave every day or every week, if you're long acting uh, medications. Uh, so you're a pr- protected uh, 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 kind of the entire day. Yeah. Other countries uh, don't uh, uh, do that because it's quite expensive. It is yeah. really quite expensive, real expensive. Other countries just give on uh, a demand uh, treatment. So if you think uh, you got uh, uh, you you fell and you think, well, I've got some bleedings, I inject myself. Yeah. So that is that uh, spares a lot of money, but uh, there's a price uh, you you have to pay for 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 that because uh, people have, have, have or might have more like joint damage and yeah. uh, than uh, the children who have uh, uh, the, who are protected uh, uh, every day yeah i mean and, and just looking over the paper as well there's these people can live fairly normal lives in terms of their physical activity participation it, yeah 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 the, the, we had a really uh, uh, several uh, funny uh, guys in that study and one as uh, when when his uh, parents were uh, uh, joining him for the, for the interview he said yes i go to the gym and i do only some uh, 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 some safe exercises in the gym and when his parents were gone he said I always say tell them I go to the, the gym but actually <laughs> I, what I'm doing there is kickboxing so <laughs> he, he was doing uh, kickboxing classes uh, 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 there he said I'm protected uh, with the medication I get and uh, I, I like to do the kickboxing and uh, so um yeah, uh, they're, they're doing more than what we want them to to to, to do. Yeah, yeah, sure. But also yeah. there, we were really, we are really on the safe uh, side, and also like uh, the, the 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 patient uh, organization, they're really also on uh, the safe side. When we finished uh, one of these uh, early uh, studies, we had an American football team in uh, uh, at that time in Amsterdam, the Amsterdam mm-hmm. Admirals. They said, "Well, we can give these kids uh, a, a clinic." They wear these big um, uh, equipment of us and uh, all the hemophilia boys 
who participated in the study, uh, they can get an uh, American uh, football uh, clinic. Now, then we suddenly got a call from the parent, uh, from the patient organization said, what the heck are you guys doing? <laughs> and how do others uh, perceive how uh, hemophilia patients are doing? And uh, you should not give that uh, as, a, a, as a sign that we uh, can do everything. And uh, that, that's really uh, a bad exposure also for uh, our uh, organization. So I think that it is a really nice example of how we kind of sideline uh, yeah. uh, 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 children and, uh, and especially boys. They like to do have some, they do some risk taking uh, yeah. activities. And if you uh, prevent them from, from doing that, well, that also um, kind of hampers their uh, development. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. There's, there's definitely a, a psychological underpinning if we, if we restrict the risk taking sort of activities. Yeah. Then you know it's, it's going to have other knock-on effects that just mm-hmm. aren't physiological. Yeah, so it's it's very important. Yeah, it's, it sounds interesting. That though, I'd, I'd be keen to see um, how, how they performed on the pitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good. Um, moving on to cerebral palsy, then. So I, again, I think more people know about this disease area. But if you could just give us a, a brief introduction to it again as well, that'd be great. Yeah, well, it, yeah, you, there are uh, several children who develop like uh, uh, brain damage uh, just before or just after uh, their birth. Mm. So they have like uh, something happens or a part of the brain doesn't get them oxygen or, or so. So they have, uh, uh, they, they, they get some, some, some brain damage. And yeah. often that's uh, accompanied by spasticity. So they have like a spastic arm or legs or two uh, uh, two legs, and problems with uh, with moving. So with uh, some are uh, able only to walk. Some have to walk with an uh, aid. So with a, a, a rollator, for example, or are uh, wheelchair bound. Yeah, and we also have some some children who are able to to, to run. But uh, that's uh, you have to, to place that in uh, perspective. Uh, they um, are not um, able no. to, 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 to run like 15 kilometers an hour. That is uh, like six or seven kilometers an hour. Yeah, sure. Yeah, is it... They are sort of born. Is there something that develops during birth or... Oh, sorry, I, I cannot hear you. Uh, okay, have you got hear... me? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're back. Yeah, so the question was essentially, is this something that's developed in the womb or is this part of the birthing process? Yeah, it's it just, of... uh, it, it just uh, 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 I think, part of the process. Yeah, yeah, okay. With these individuals, obviously their motor control and coordination is is impacted. Are there any activities where we can enhance their motor control and coordination when delivering physical activity? Yeah, well, there are uh, a lot of like physical therapy programs uh, mm. out there to to enhance uh, motor function. Some uh, people are uh, like taping the 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 good arm on the back and they have to do everything with the the, the arm who is the less performing yeah. and just to uh, um, uh, 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 exercise the 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 the, the poor uh, performing arm all these kind of uh, things so we think we can uh, uh, improve it yeah and i think day-to-day living on for these as well they're sort of the 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 work they have to put in just to function on a daily basis and the, and the calories they expend I guess the energy they expend just doing normal day to day activity can be significantly higher as well can't it then yeah the yeah they're like uh, many of their uh, the, the activities they do they do on a really high level of their their, their maximum exercise capacity yeah and I guess that's important for anyone who's working with these individuals to take into account across the day when trying to link up the energy in energy out balance if you like yeah yeah when when, when we uh first started uh, with the physical exercise testing in these uh, patients uh, order said well why should you uh, measure cardiovascular uh, fitness 
because mm. they're so limited. Some of these kids are only r- r- running three or four kilometers uh, an hour on, on maximum speed. Well, they're limited by their muscle and not by the cardiovascular yeah. system. And then we uh, started measuring it at that time. I just bought a uh, mobile uh, uh, metabolic card. And yeah. I was able to, 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 to measure uh, oxygen uptake and heart rates, etc., in, uh, in field conditions. And also when they just uh, were able to, to, to run four kilometers an hour, they were uh, on, on a really high percentage of the, the, the maximum oxygen uptake or uh, maximum heart rate. I've had uh, subjects, again, who had a heart rate over 200 beats per minute just when they were running or, or, yeah. or at a peak speed of four kilometers an hour. So it was really cardiovascular demanding. Yeah. And that's what they also do with daily life. They, they, they often have to uh, perform at, at, at the maximum or near maximum level just to do daily exercises. Yeah, sure. And am, am I right in thinking as well that when prescribing sort of exercise program and that they do favor the, the high intensity interval training sort of modality, if you like, they, they tend to respond quite well to that. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. We, we, we also recently did a, uh, uh, did a study with high-intensity interval training with mainly uh, children with uh, cerebral palsy, and it works really fine. And uh, especially in the ones who are able uh, uh, to walk or to run, uh, high-intensity uh, interval training, just do like 30 seconds all-out exercises yeah. and with uh, 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 one or two minutes of, of, of rest works really fine. For the children in, uh, in the wheelchair, it's much more difficult because 30 seconds might be too short for them to have mm-hmm. a good uh, training stimulus for their for the arm muscles. So we have to, to, to think uh, about another training paradigm for those in in a in, in a wheelchair but for uh, those who can walk or run uh interval training is really effective yeah yeah that's great and if it fits in as well with um able-bodied i don't like using that term but people who aren't suffering from a disease area people like to engage in high intensity interval training anyway so you can kind of put the two together and they can almost take part and participate in classes that are indicative of what everyone's doing in the gymnasium environment anyway so it makes them more part of the the community and from a psychological standpoint again it's 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 a lot healthier for them i imagine yeah and i think uh if they just exercise like a moderate to figures the training stimulus for for the muscles per se is uh somewhat too low yeah yeah um Span a bit further then, so that that affects if I'm right, it's about one in one thousand births, I believe. I read. Yeah, the, 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 these numbers are also uh, going uh, down because yeah. the mothers know if I take uh, a f- a f- folic uh, acid, that the chance of getting uh, a child with spina bifida is reduced. And nowadays in the Netherlands, uh, all mothers get uh, after t- uh, twenty weeks of uh, pregnancy, they got an echo. And when they uh, uh, see that uh, yeah, that the spinal cord is not well developed, you 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 can uh, also say, well, I, yeah, I I I'm considering not to take this uh, child. So yeah. with, with with that in mind, we we we, we see the the number of, of children with spinal bifida are, are, are reducing in 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 our country. That's good. News. But in other countries, it's still there, also in the developing uh, world. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, how does that present through childhood and adolescence? What impact would that have on the physical activity? Yeah, they, well, this is the same as with uh, 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 cerebral palsy. Yeah. If you uh, um, have a not, not well-developed spinal uh, cord and you have a kind of lesion in your, in your spinal cord and, and yeah, your feet... And the 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 the, the muscles in, in in your legs are are not well developed and coordinated. It is uh, um, it gives a major impact on on daily uh, functioning. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the the next disease area, or the, the, there's two disease areas left really in the paper that I'd, that I'd like to cover. So the the next one being uh, cystic fibrosis. Um, so it, it's quite common. It's I think it's one that a lot of people know about or parts of. 
Again, could you just explain what it is and, and how it presents and then maybe the knock-on effects on physical activity? Yeah, well, it's a chronic lung disease and you get mm. a lot of uh, inflammation in, uh, in the airways because uh, the, the mucus in the airways is not well cleared. So you get, uh, it gets stuck in the airways and that's why you, you get these, that, that inflammation. And uh, uh, actually, uh, in, in the children's hospital, when I, when I came here 20 years ago, there was already a uh, setup for, for, for exercise testing yeah. because they already did exercise testing in, in, in the uh, children and uh, adolescents with, uh, with cystic fibrosis. So that is one of the uh, groups of patients where there is also around the world a lot of uh, knowledge about the importance of exercise and exercise testing. And yeah. the results of exercise testing also for in the, in the, in the clinical care of these uh, patients. And, uh, well, uh, there's also a group where, uh, because we know it's really important for them, where we push them to, to, to do, do sports and being active. Um, but it's not always that, uh, that easy for, uh, uh, for, for these patients, of course. Yeah, I mean, am I right in thinking that the, the better we can get a base aerobic level of fitness we can actually slow the rate of disease progression a little bit. In, in yeah, yeah, there is, there is a real also strong uh, correlation between fitness and mortality mm. and also fitness and uh, 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 hospitalization in these, uh, these uh, patients. So patients with a better fitness uh, uh, live longer. Yeah. So it's really important to, uh, to optimize their uh, uh, fitness uh, uh, levels. Yeah. Yeah, and I think with these as well, it's quite important to reduce their sedentary time and just to keep yeah, them yeah, yeah. ticking over and throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Sure, and uh, now nowadays uh, we've got all new new kinds of uh, medications, new treatments for uh, some of these uh, genetic mutations. There are different genetic mutations uh, 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 involved in this uh, disease. There's not one CF. Yeah. So you, you need different uh, treatments for that newer uh, medication become available um, and uh, we, we looked uh, recently at the fitness levels and body composition of uh, patients getting one of these uh, uh, drugs uh, Ifocafter and um, well on the one hand you see well improvements in lung function yeah saying, hey, that's good but if you look at body composition they can gain a lot of fat mass and on the uh, uh, other hand, uh, their fitness is, uh, 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 is, is lower. So uh, it's good for your lung function, but not so good for your fitness. And we think that we, uh, that's one thing we want to study in the, in the, in the near future, is yeah. how, how can we improve these fitness levels and also stimulate physical activity and I know from some of these patients in the, in the UK, some of the girls, they stopped using the medication because they thought, hey, uh, I'm becoming fat. So, <sighs> yeah, the, uh, 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 girls don't like to, 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 to become thick eh? and adipose. Yes. Uh, 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 so, um, uh, uh, exercise and also uh, uh, nutritional advices. Uh, uh, are not something from the past, but also are, remain important now and in in, in in the future. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, and then the childhood cancer as well, isn't it? An interesting um, part of this paper. I mean, for, for me, the, the one that I was aware of be- before reading over it, or the most common, uh, was leukemia. Um, certainly in children sort of age 0 to 19, if we're going to categorise it like that. Could you just, again, expand on, on childhood cancer and how that would affect their participation in physical activity? Yeah, at that time, um, when we wrote uh, the paper, our experience in cancer was quite limited. And yeah. that was also because our center uh, in, uh, in the Netherlands was really a small uh, center also compared to others. But uh, since uh, May 19th last year, uh, we have a new ca- pediatric cancer hospital uh, near our hospital at the opposite side of the road. And me and a colleague, we work there as, uh, as exercise physiologist for, for, for one day a week. And we see amazing things. Um, I, I recently had a, had a boy age of 18 
with a uh, peak oxygen uptake of only 11 mils per kg. I've never seen that, even not in our patients with severe congenital yeah. heart disease. So during chemotherapy, I think everything is affected. Well, mm -hmm. mitochondria are, 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 are killed. Heart function is uh, 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 lower. Vascular function is reduced, and it all adds up to, to these kind of uh, values. Yeah. So in the, the last year, we have we have tested many children during chemo, and well, we we, we have learned amazing things. Yeah. So I think that is really also uh, important for 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 other physiologists uh, living in in other countries. Had to make a connection with uh, uh, these uh, 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 groups of people caring for uh, children with, with, with cancer. And uh, exercise is really, really important, uh, not only during chemotherapy, but also after uh, uh, the uh, uh, treatment to regain again in fitness. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I mean, when during treatment, is there anything that these individuals can do? I mean, you're talking about the the oxygen uptake being super low. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, usually, well, you you're, you're feeling really bad at yeah. chemo, but in the the uh, the hospital, the Princess Maxima Center, we have uh, uh, everything in there uh, uh, to uh, to have them uh, active. We call them the uh, maximal uh, active. And uh, we, we tried everything. We have a really nice uh, exercise room. Uh, we have a, a kind of play garden for the, for the younger children. We have uh, people there who, who go yeah, to, to, to the rooms of the children and do uh, whatever they, 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 they can do in kinds of uh, activity and exercise yeah. with these uh, children. It is, really is important. Yeah. And I think where we're, we're uh, I hope so, maybe so, so some people also from nutritional sciences are, are listening. And I think there where we can meet up and, and should collaborate better, that we have good food at the one hand, no junk food, and exercise and combine it and have uh, the best of both worlds. Yeah. No, that's, I think that's really important. Um, the multidisciplinary sort of, action that's taken after this podcast um oh you know that that's the idea of putting these together and i think the closer we can work together uh, across all the disciplines the better the outcomes for mm -hmm. the for the patient really at the end um sometimes i think we miss that as, as researchers and academics and, and we miss the practical application of the work that we do um i i think really uh, you know there's we've gone to quite a lot there over the past hour it's been an hour already time flies and you're having fun um, I think we, we've got to understand that obviously each of these conditions that we've covered, they all have their own sort of nuances and, and sort of reactions against physical activity. And we have to take them into consideration and how they may impair their functional capacity moving forwards, uh, you know, such as the expression of VO2 peak is reduced in a lot of these pathologies. Um, and it's important that obviously we take that into account moving forward. Just looking in your paper, you allude to obviously the, the basics of, and again, sometimes we overlook it, of frequency, intensity, time and type um, as, as the areas to address when considering putting together an exercise program. Uh, could you just sort of build upon what you kind of apply or what you could apply to everyone who we've covered? Uh, I know that's a hard thing to do, but everyone is a blanket statement in terms of conducting physical activity. No, I would say no, not everyone, like 99%, also yeah. the, the normal population, but also the, the, the children with, uh, with mm. chronic disease. Well, somebody may came up with some uh, uh, exceptions, but 99% of the children, we do want to adhere them to one hour of physical uh, activity a day, have some bone, uh, the, the, the bone and joint strengthening exercises like yeah. three days a week. That is kind of the basics. That's what we expect from everyone, and it's a minimal level. And above from that, if you're doing poor, uh, you, you should do something extra, and you should train. Yeah. And uh, in the past, uh, we've seen all kinds of protocols. People were training once a week or once uh, a fortnight. That doesn't work. You really yeah. should do a minimum of two times a week. 
We recently uh, published a, a, a study we looked at the effects of, uh, of sports on your cardiovascular uh, health, for example. And also there, one once a week is not enough. So twice a week, that's what you should, uh, uh, should do, minimum. Yeah. And um, that is also, also for, 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 for healthy children. And I know many sports clubs only uh, give once a week uh, a, a training, organized training session. You should at least two times a week. Mm. And also in terms of uh, uh, intensity, well, if it's too low, if you're sitting on, uh, on, on football, <laughs> It is doesn't give any response. You really should do it, uh, do something with enough intensity, and that's yeah. why I think that high intensity intervals work because the intensity is uh, uh, high enough to give that response. Yeah. And in terms of duration, 30, 60 minutes per per, per session, that is uh, what, uh, what what what's enough. Shorter. Yeah, but you can do that like in, 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 in patients who are really limited and break it up in periods of so like 10 minutes. But you should at least do, do like 30 minutes of, uh, uh, of exercise. Yeah. It's sometimes difficult in a therapeutic uh, environment, but if it's too short, it's a waste of time. Yeah, definitely. And I think the important part of this, of this podcast to take away, for, certainly from my, uh, my perspective, is that participating in physical activity, not only is it important to the general population, but these individuals in particular, it may in some cases actually slow down the progression of their diseases. Um, again, just highlighting how important it is to, to, to address and, and get these people moving, really. Yeah, absolutely. And also the thing, how we uh, uh, arrange like the, the day on school, if they are, they, they travel by, 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 by a taxi to, to school, uh, 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 children in a, in a wheelchair, they can go on their own to the classroom. Don't push the, 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 yeah. uh, the wheelchair. And, and maybe it costs several minutes of time more. But if, we, uh, if they go by taxi and if we push the wheelchair, there is nowhere on during the day that they have any uh, physical activities. So it might be really convenient for them not to do anything, but it's not healthy. Yeah, yeah, and and I think as well, you know, going off the back end of that, it's the social aspect of that as well, and the psychological health and the mental well-being of being inclusive and being part of the environment uh, as a whole. Yeah, yeah, and um, there is a, a a guy in the Netherlands who is uh, uh, with his spinal cord injury, who is who is sitting in his wheelchair himself. He gives children like a, a wheelchair a skills training. Mm. And uh, well, that, that opens a kind of a entire world for these uh, uh, children. For example, he goes here in Utrecht to the railway station with them and they take the escalators. And uh, uh, often the railway police is coming and said, well, hey, there is over there is the elevator. He said, well, I take the escalator. And uh, well, uh, uh, our society does not really accept that, that, that they yeah. are doing the same as we now it should be convenient and really safe because if something happens they'll and the national railways can be uh can be be, be lawsuit or whatever well it's i think it's their the 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 right to do the same as as, as we do course, to be yeah, a, active and and, and 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 have the inclusion in the, in the society definitely john timson I know that you're obviously you're on um, and you're on ResearchGate as well. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So if people want to find out more about you, is that the best places to get hold of you, really? Yeah, the ResearchGate uh, is uh, quite up to date. So uh, and um, if, if you want to read some of the papers uh, of me, and it's not uh, full text uh, available, it's because uh, some of the publishers uh, complained and. Um, if you just uh, request that paper, I'll send a private uh, copy uh, to you. Oh, brilliant. No, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. And you've got a summer camp set up as well, haven't you, for this year? Is that right? Yeah, we. Uh, I always uh, um, uh, organize a summer school. Now it's the, the third uh, uh, edition. 
we have uh, we are um, uh, starting on uh, July the 15th till the 19th here in Utrecht. We have an entire week about physical uh, activity, physical fitness, body composition, muscle strength, uh, exercise training, um, etc. In, in children, uh, adolescents. So uh, it's mainly. Um, about uh, getting knowledge, but also skills. We have some practical work here. In yeah. the, we go here into the lab in the in, in, in the hospital to work, exercise uh, at test uh, on, on ourselves, just to know how uh, no, uh, uh, how you can do it, and yeah. um, and see how we are doing it. Fantastic! That sounds amazing. So, I mean, if you if people want to get find out more about that, what's the best way to contact you, Tim? Uh, you can uh, look uh, to the uh, go to the website, and it is uh, uh, from uh, Utrecht Summer School. Yeah, and uh, look for uh, the course Pediatric Sports and Exercise Medicine. Great, brilliant. Well, cheers. Thanks a lot for coming on. I hope that someone finds it of use, and I hope someone reaches out to you, and we can we can expand on all these disease areas moving forward. Um, yeah, and, and and thank you very much. Thank you again. Yeah, you're welcome, Ash. Thank you. I really appreciated uh, this uh, podcast. Thank you. Thanks.